What up, LoveQuest Nation? You are listening to the official LoveQuest International Church podcast recorded live at our Morning Glory Experience in Vancouver, BC. So come on and jump into this word brought to us by our founding and lead pastor, Pastor Terrence Richmond. Enjoy! For the month of March, we're doing a special experience called March Madness, the Marathon, featuring a few of our LoveQuest family members. So come on, take a listen, and enjoy. Don't take this morning glory lightly because it is preparing us for um, when we go and have morning services uh, at Strathcona. Um, That will happen. Um... But when we go, we got to be ready. Um, so I do believe this is training ground because you speak in front of 20 people or 30 people that could easily turn into 200 within six, six months. I'm not ever going to shy away from calling on you if the Lord wants to call on you. Um, if you're not prepared, that's your fault. Absolutely, because... You should be preparing. You should be preparing your soul every day, like you would prepare for a sermon on Sunday, right? So studying shouldn't just take place. Obviously, specific topics you study, but um, that word in season and out of season is for every believer. And so, um, today we're going to have with us speaking uh, Pastor Dylan. We'll have Elder Roseanne, we'll have Juan Carlos, we'll have Bernadette, and we have um, 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 uh, Danny Fuentes. So I'm super excited. I like Juan Carlos' picture, too. I like all y'all pictures. I don't have no favorites, but all of you guys are cute. Y'all, y'all cute. Look at y'all. Anyways, let me, uh, can you put up Ephesians 4, 16, as she's getting that. Uh, Man, flying is a miracle. I don't think you can ever get comfortable with turbulence. Um, That never gets old. Um, Flying is a miracle, man. And uh, when you make it from one place to another in the air, you shouldn't take that stuff lightly because everyone on that plane is in the mercy of technology. Those guys, they're flying, but they're not. They're, they're reading, and yeah, they have a little control. And But man, that God would create humans to be able to look in the sky and say, We're, we could be up there too. There's no reason why the gospel can't reach the world. That's the reason planes are there, so we can, social media being able to reach the globe in like a push of a button. Are you stewarding the gifts that God has given you? Uh, Verse 16 says, for his body, well, let me go back to, go back that thing about like, There we go. No, let's just read the whole thing. 13, standing. These grace ministries, apostle, prophet, teacher, evangelist, pastor, will function until we all attain oneness into the faith, until we all experience the fullness of what it means to know the Son of God. And finally, we become one into a perfect man with the full dimensions of spiritual maturity and fully developed into the abundance of Christ. In order to be fully developed, you got to be stretched. So that's the goal. You want a pastor? You want a stretcher. You want a pastor? You want a stretcher. Because that's why he gave you a pastor. is to help you get fully developed. And then our immaturity will end. The Bible tells you to grow up. Amen. And we will not be easily shaken by trouble. How easy are we? We think trouble is like a hurricane. I'm talking about boy issues. I'm talking about girl issues. I'm talking about TV not working, phone ain't working. I'm talking about, man, the stuff we get rattled about is absolutely ridiculous. 
The Lord don't care nothing about you tripping over your, your rubber on your shoes came off. Like the stuff we're tr- we call trouble. <sighs> Nor led astray by novel teachings or by the false doctrines of deceivers who teach clever lies. Clever lies. Clever lies have to be mixed with truth or they're not clever. But instead, we will remain strong and always sincere in our love as we express the truth. All our direction and ministries will flow from Christ. All our ministries flow from Christ and let us lead us deeper into him. So you, you see this, right? You should never, if, you not, if, if the church you go to is not calling you deeper, then that ain't ministry. The anointed head of his body, the church. Here we go. For his body has been formed in his image and is closely joined together and constantly connected as one. And every member has been given divine gifts to contribute to the growth of all. Your gifts is to contribute to the growth of all. Your gifts is not for you, they're for all. And as these gifts operate effectively, you're not just to be talented, you're to be effective. And as these gifts operate effectively throughout the whole body, we are built up and made perfect in love. Every joint supplieth, next scripture. Yes, every joint supplieth. Today is five people, five joints supplieth. Y'all going to puff, puff, pass the mic. (laughs) I know some of y'all are too deep right now because when you breathe, you puffing. You inhaling and you what? Exhaling. So I told every last one of these peoples that at, so two people got 15 minutes Three people got 10. At they point, if y'all see me stand up, y'all know they over time. Amen. Um, and y'all going to start playing, okay? Start playing, I will run, okay? Father, we thank you at this time. We thank you for every speaker. We thank you that they they are anointed, Father, for such a time as this. And I thank you, Father, for the the Lord that can change a nation in a day. Father, even one word spoken out of your children's mouths can radically transform. And so I just ask that you quicken their spirits. Use them in a mighty way. I thank you that they are efficient. I thank you that they are free from error. And I just thank you, Lord, that we will encounter, continue to encounter you. I thank you that we have eyes to see and ears to hear. I thank you that you are developing a very healthy, vibrant, strong community who know who they are in Christ, who are bold in you but also also skillful and wise. I thank you, Father, that we don't just have talent and gifts, but we're effective. We are efficient. And we're not wasting our time, our treasures, or our talents anymore. We have floundered. We have wandered. We have done enough wasting. So may we not waste our inheritance as the prodigal son did we thank you father that there's activation in this space in Jesus mighty name amen first up Pastor Dylan amen Um, I'm forever grateful to God for uh, 
leading me into this body of Christ and under the amazing leadership of such um, spirit-filled and mighty um, leaders such as Pastor Terrence, Pastor Julia. Um, yeah, they have my heart and uh, they've helped pull things out of me I didn't know existed, so I'm forever grateful. Thank you, Pastor. Um, this morning I have the privilege and the honor of speaking to the power of your testimony, the topic of why we, sh why we ought to share our testimonies. So I'm going to jump right in um, for time's sake. I don't know if I'm going to get Pastor Daniela to pull up scriptures, but I encourage you guys just take notes of the scriptures that I mention, and I will be reading through them and then reflect on them in your own time. So your testimony is your story, nobody else's. It is your own personal encounter and experience with the living God. It is not to be debated as you are the key witness. No one else can tell you what you have experienced. Our testimonies were always intended to be shared. Mark 5, verse 18 to 19 it says, and as Jesus began to get into the boat, boat to depart, the man who had been set free from demons asked him, could I go with you? Jesus answered, no, but said to him, go back to your home and to your family and tell them what the Lord has done for you. Tell them how he had mercy on you. In Acts 1.8, Jesus later tells those who follow him, that you shall receive power, ability, efficiency, and might when the Holy Spirit has come to you, and you shall be my witnesses. It is evidently important to Jesus that we bear witness and tell others what the Lord has done for us, so much so that he told his disciples he must go so that another helper can come and empower us to share how the love of Jesus has saved us. Jesus changed you and me. Jesus charged you and me to go and share our testimonies. The word testimony in Hebrew is edith. It is derived from a word meaning witness, as in one who gives evidence that what, that's what a witness is supposed to do, to tell the truth. That word has a primitive root, Ayin vav daleth, meaning to return, to repeat, or to do again. Your testimony is a seed of victory planted in the mind of those who hear it. <clears throat> sharing your testimony is the same as sharing hope. Hope that if God did it before, he can do it again. I'm sure the testimony of Moses' victory when he led the Israelites through the parted Red Sea was of great encouragement to Joshua when it came his turn to lead the people into the promised land, yet the Jordan River stood in the way. I'm sure at that moment of adversity when the enemy was closing in and they were pinned up against the water, Joshua proclaimed, if he did it before, he will do it again. Joshua 1.5, the Lord said, No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. When we share how the Lord came through and rescued us out of our adversities, that when our enemies, our fears, our anxieties, our shame, our doubt, and guilt had us pinned up against the river and it seemed hopeless, God made a way through Jesus Christ. That is a seed of victory planted in whoever hears it. They may not know it then, but down the road when they are really going through it and nothing else has worked, they might just think, if God did it before, he can do it again. Our testimonies are fuel to another's flame. Romans 12 mentions that we have all been allotted a measure of faith. For some, it may be small and next to non-existent, but it's there. Testimonies of how God still moves in miraculous ways to fulfill our needs today increases faith 
to those who need a miracle. Your story is gasoline, which can take another's faith level from a flickering flame to a roaring life of expectancy, a roaring fire of expectancy. If he did it before, he will do it again. Look at the woman with the issue of blood. She had tried everything, and yet nothing could cure her disease. I imagine her faith level was running pretty low. But as we read in Mark 5, verse 27, she had heard the reports, the testimonies concerning Jesus. And she came up behind him in the throng and touched his garment. For she kept saying, if I only touch his garments, I shall be restored to health. And she was healed. The testimonies of others fueled her faith. Our testimonies point to the seed which brought forth this fruit. Sons and daughters that are filled with the Spirit look, act, love, and respond different. They just hit different. At least they're supposed to. We're in this world, but not of it. We don't concern ourselves with storing up treasures here on earth, but we're after souls, which are heaven's treasures. We ought to live questionable lives that cause people to ask, what is it about you that's different? You're always happy. You're always full of joy regardless of the circumstance. Our testimonies point to the seed which brought forth this fruit or explain why I am the way that I am. Lastly, the utterance of our testimony is the application of the blood by which we overcome Verse 11 says, And they have overcome, conquered him, the accuser, by means of the blood of the Lamb and by the utterance of their testimony. For they did not love and cling to life even when faced with death, holding their lives cheap till they had to die for their witnessing. When faced with the hardships and trials of this earth that test our faith and fight for our peace. It is the utterance or speaking out of the blood of Jesus which hath sustained us since the day of our salvation that we find strength and encouragement to carry on and push past. Our testimonies are not only for others, but meant to sustain us, us, all our days. We are never to forget the grace by which we were saved. Daily, we need to put on the full armor of God, starting with the helmet of salvation. Why a helmet? Because the battle is in the mind. And we all know you can't fight thoughts with thoughts, but with the spoken out word of God. Our testimonies encourage others and remind ourselves of how good and how faithful God is. At this point in time, I want to invite up my sister, Bernadette, share with you. Thank you, Pastor Dylan. That was a quick 15 minutes. Bless you. <laughs> Um, good morning, family. I am honored to stand before you, and thank you, pastors, for pulling on what God has released into us already for the body of Christ. Um, testimony. Um, my portion is the faithfulness of God and how faithful he is. Um, as Pastor Dylan had mentioned, your testimony is a seed of victory planted in the mind of those who hear it. And testimony is fuel to another's flame. So my portion will start with a testimony, which is how the Lord has just aligned it all. Um, prodigal son in Luke 15, 20. Um, actually, it's a bit before that. Uh, prodigal son is a story or the parable of a son who ran away and went about in the worldly business of doing his own thing 
And this reflects on my testimony of when my son decided to run away. Not all of you know, so I'm going to keep it together. <laughs> um, the faithfulness of God in the midst of desperation and calling on to his name. And the word that was released over me was the parable of the prodigal son. And in the midst of my desperation of not knowing where my son would be, not knowing if he was coming home, not knowing where he would lay his head at night, the Lord spoke that he will bring him home. Amen. And on that, it was my fuel of trusting God and really relying on the word and his promise. Lo and behold, I praise the Lord for two weeks later, um, two and a half weeks later, my son returned home and I welcomed him as the father in the story of Luke, welcomed his son, past the transgressions, past his sins, past whatever he had done and welcomed him home in agape love and it taught me the faithfulness of God the faithfulness of his promises of standing on his word and trusting him in the midst of my desperation. So the faithfulness of God, I'm not even going by my notes because this is the Holy Spirit leading it all. Amen. Um, so in Lamentations 21, 321, but this I recall, and therefore have I hope and expectation. It is because of the Lord's mercy and loving kindness that we are not consumed because his tender compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great and abundant is your stability and faithfulness. The Lord is my portion or share, says my living being, my inner self. Therefore will I hope in him and wait expectantly for him. The Lord is good to those who wait, hopefully and expectantly for him, to those who seek him, inquire of and for him, and require him by right hand of necessity and on the authority of God's word. God is faithful, even when we are not. And fail God and let him down, even when we turn our backs and we are faithless. God remains steadfast towards us. If we are unfaithful, he remains faithful. For he cannot deny who he is. It is his very nature. 2 Timothy 2.13 writes, If we are faithless, do not believe and are untrue to him. He remains true, faithful to his word and his righteous character. For he cannot deny himself. Deuteronomy 7.9 says, Know, recognize, and understand, therefore, that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God, who keeps covenant and steadfast love and mercy with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. God's faithfulness calls us to be faithful caused me to be faithful. There is no doubt in my mind, my God will do over an abundance of what he has promised. But it took me standing on his word out of desperation because it was my faith that grew from the root of his love that built up my faithfulness in him. And it was because his faithfulness to what he is that develop my faith. Our faith is important, but Jesus reminds us that it's not all about our faith, as it is God's great faithfulness. He says, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, you can say to the mountain, move, and it will move. And Lord, he moves it. It will move because we choose to trust God. And in the days ahead, I believe that we will see tremendous, jaw-dropping, head-turning, awe-inspiring things, not because of how great our faith is, but because of God's great faithfulness to us, his deep love for us, 
and the promises of his word. So sometimes we may feel that we've left God down, we've screwed it up again, we've allowed the world to take us down or we've made the wrong choice, but God wants you to know today to get back up. Brush off the dirt, confess your sins. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we freely admit that we have sinned and confess our sins, he is faithful and just true to his own nature and promises and will forgive our sins. Dismiss no records, our lawlessness, and continuously cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Everything not in conformity to his will and purpose, thought and action. Today, Love Quest, he wants to bandage your wounds and take a step, a step closer to him, a step in faith. Peter took a step. And all it took was just one step. Just one. 1 Thessalonians 5.24 Faithful is he who is calling to you to himself and utterly trustworthy. And he will also do it. Fulfill his call by hallowing and keeping you. And that is all he wants. For us to seek him. Take one step and then another and another and before you know it, you're running back in the race with God on your side toward your calling and for God's kingdom. God is faithful even when we are faithless. He will finish the good work he has begun in you. So never forget, Love Quest, he never forgets his promises. When he says something, he will do it all the time. It may not be in our timeline, but won't he do it? Numbers 2319. God is not a man that he should tell or act a lie, neither the Son of Man that he should feel repentance or compunction for what he has promised. Has he said and shall he not do it? Or has he spoken and shall he not make it good? Remember that God never fails. God is all powerful, all knowing. He is omnipotent. God never falters. His worst resources, his energy never runs out. And God never forfeits his word. So today, Love Quest, we give thanks to our Lord. Because of his mercy, let's all declare together. Lord, you are righteous. Because you are holy. Lord, you are faithful. And are working on my behalf. Lord, you love me, and even if I may not see the hand of God in my life, you are good. Your heart is good, for you gave your life for me, and Lord, I love you. And that is my message for you all, family. Oh, gracias. Thank you. Thank you all. Up next is the mighty man of God, Juan Carlos. Thank you. <laughs> wow. It's a blessing to be here. I thank God for this favor and for telling Pastor to allow me to be here. It's such a blessing, but I'll get into it before my 10 minutes go. So I'm going to give some scripture so I can save a little bit of time. So we're, we're not looking for them, but I will um, ask people to read them. Uh, the first one is Luke 10, 25, 28. Natalia, please. Uh, the second one is Hosea 1-2, uh, Pastor Dylan. Hosea 2-5, Effie. Hosea 3-1-2, Adam. And the last one is Luke 15, 21-30, Jamie. 
And whoever I gave the first one, can you please read it? Thank you. My topic is how much Jesus loves you. And you may think to yourself, well, what, what does this scripture have to do with that? Well, let me tell you that his essence is love. And what he's telling us here is not asking us. It's a commandment. It's a mandate for us. And if he's giving us a mandate, it's because we're capable of doing it. But because he won't ask you to do anything that you're not really ready to so God is asking us that the number one commandment is love our God with everything and the second one is just as important love our neighbors as we love ourselves but are we ready to do that are we doing it for sure because if you see the lawyer here furthermore further ahead on the scripture says but Lord who is my neighbor like asking for a loophole it's like, who is it that I'm, that I'm supposed to love? Because God is not asking you who. God is just asking you to do it. God is not asking you, are you ready for it? God is not telling you, oh, love the ones that you like. Or love your family. Or love the ones closer to you or your closest friend. He's telling you to love your neighbor, whoever it is. Whether you like it or not. You know why God doesn't do the same things that he used to do before? Because we're not ready to love. We ask ourselves, well, look at those prophets back then, the things that God did. Elijah called rain and it rained. Elijah called sun and it was sunny. Do you know why he doesn't do that? Because we don't listen and or we may listen to the word, but we don't apply it. Because here he's asking us to love our neighbors. Whoever it is, but we used to love the ones that are closer to us. We're used to love the ones that, are, that we like. We're used to love the ones that we think deserve our love. You want to know how much Jesus loves you? Put it into plan. Do it like he says. You want to know how much is in you because it's in you. Otherwise, God wouldn't be asking you to do it. He already put it inside of you. You got to let it out. You got to let it happen. Because you're prepared. You're already prepared to do it. You are capable. You are ready. So the lawyer says, well, who is my neighbor? Is that our question? I'll tell you a story. Um, my grandma, I love, I love my grandma. She's the one that raised me. And let me tell you, I would be a millionaire. Seriously, if it wasn't for my grandma. Because um, like her dad, my great-grandfather, was the police commissioner back home for a long time. And he was uncovering some things happening in my country among all uh, government people. To the point that he got so close that finally what people in power did is just send him to France to be an ambassador. So took my grandma and his family to, to France, and then my grandma in France went to one of the schools, one of the academies in France, and she learned how to cook, she learned how to do all the good things a woman is supposed to learn. And what happened? While she was there, she met a boy, a little bit older than her, but guess who he was? He was the owner of Renault, the, cars, the, the factory of cars, Renault. And they both fell in love. And their plans were going to get married. And so when my great-grandfather time to come back home to El Salvador um, arrived, my grandma said, I want to stay behind. My great-grandparents still didn't know about the, the love between them. And I'm talking about love not like these kind of love you know the ones that you're looking for the darkest place yeah. 
or the quietest place or the loneliest place. No, the love is like to be able to be with one another, to be able to talk to one another, to be able to share with one another. But not, nothing but words. Nothing. It was so pure and so special, according to what she told me. So that they planned that when she was going to come back, they were not going to do it by plane. They, it was going to be on one of their jets. I mean, they were the owners of Renault. They had everything. They were so rich. So that at the time that they came back, you know, all, everybody was waiting for them at shore. Um, and they were coming in the jet. So his name was Gaston. So Gaston told my grandma, okay, our jet is so big that, that, that cannot dock in El Salvador docks because they were so little. So what we're going to do is uh, I'm going to go with you and one of our servants in a, in a boat to talk to your parents, and I'm going to ask for her hand, for your hand. And my grandma said, no, 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 don't do that because they don't know anything about it. I know my parents. I'm going to go, and I'm going to tell them myself. And then if you see me return with your servant, is that they said yes. And if you don't see me come back, you're going to have to depart and go back to your to France because they said no. And Gaston said, okay, I'm going to do it. Long story short, my grandma went to shore. And who was in shore? Who do you think it was? Grandfather. He was a customs worker, a customs agent. And he was in love with her ever since she went even before that she went to France and she was he was waiting for her. But don't think that he was waiting for her. Oh, my! the love of my life is coming. No, he had a gun in his pocket. And I'm serious about this. And he said, as my grandma approached him, Dolores, if you don't marry me, I'm going to take my life. And pull the gun and put it over his head. And... Knowing my grandfather, I, I think he would have done it. My man, don't do that, okay? Ever. Because times now are not like those before. I mean, now the girl is going to pull the gun and I'll do it for you. Bang, and he's, you're gone. <laughs> because you're not going to stand on my way. You know, but my grandma, she was such a special woman. That knowing that the love of her life was waiting on the boat in the jet. She said, I'll marry you so you don't take your life. She made a decision. From that, I learned something very special. Love is not a feeling. It's a decision. You have to decide to love. See, she wasn't a Christian. So we're one step ahead of her. Because we are Christians, we have the love inside of us. We just got to let it out. We just got to be able to share it. And I'll prove it to you. This is the life of a non-believer. Hasn't received Christ. Doesn't have the Holy Spirit. Tribulation comes. What do you think is going to happen? Hurt comes. You think love is going to shine? That's a non-believer life. This is a bloodbath. Life of a believer. I don't even know why I'm shaking. This is what happened when we received Christ. We get the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit begins to fill our life.
and prepare us for what's coming ahead. Making us ready. So when it's time, we can do what the non-believer can do. Tribulation comes. No matter how strong, no matter how small, or how big, the love of God prevails. That's what's inside of us. That's what you carry inside of you. Like this. We have so much love inside of us that is ready to come out. But our ego, our ego, our pride, our suffering won't allow us to share it. Just let it out. We are ready. God already paid the price for you and me. He filled us with his love. That's how much love he has for you and me. He gave us his life. Who of the men married here would give his life for his wife? Don't answer me, please. <laughs> I'll answer you. I wouldn't. Only Christ is capable of doing that. But his love is what we have inside. So we should be able to give our life away for our wife. I haven't reached that point yet. I wish I could. Because his love has filled me. I feel it every day. I feel it every moment. Every trial, every tribulation that comes into my life. The Holy Spirit helps me overcome it. Every person that hurts me. I made a commitment of loving them more. Of giving myself to them. To call on God and tell them I love you. No matter what. Ten minutes already? That was only one point. I got up because I was ready to grab the baton. I might just hold it, I don't know. First of all, um, Pastor Terrence and Pastor Julia, thank you for being an answer to my prayers. Prayer works, and it comes on his timing. Thank you for obeying the Lord to move in the swings needed, greater than we could ever ask or think. Okay, get ready, everybody. When someone throws a ball, you got to get ready to catch it. So get ready to catch what I'm about to throw. Okay? Um, all that I have been through in prayer you are stepping on my shoulders now. So all the areas that I've messed up and didn't listen, catch, learn from that. In Jesus' name. Um, what would happen according to the word if I only knew and believed in the power of prayer? What would I do? James 5.16. I didn't give you all that scripture. The heartfelt, amplified, the heartfelt and persistent prayer of a righteous man or believer can accomplish much when put into action and made effective by God. It is dynamic and can have tremendous power. But you have to put it into action. You can't just look at that word. Even in saying that word, that is a prayer. Reading the word out loud, change your mindset that we are praying. So what would I have done differently? 
One is, I would have put on the full armor of God daily for strength and power to stand against the enemy's schemes. Ephesians 6, 10, and 11 says, In conclusion, be strong in the Lord. Draw your strength from him and be empowered through your union with him and in the power of his boundless might. Put on the full armor of God, for his precepts are like the splendid armor of a heavily armed soldier so that you may be able to successfully stand against all the schemes and the strategies and the deceits of the devil last week in huddle elder pam said we are at war you have to recognize that daily as a as a warrior for christ you don't go out there naked when you watch war films you don't see people out there naked you have to clothe yourself daily i didn't do that i still have to remind myself to do that we got beat up in our marriage early on we got beat up in business early on and we didn't have to get beaten up. I didn't know any better. And the Lord would prompt me to pay, pray. But I was too focused on, oh, I got to cook dinner and I, I got to change a diaper and I, I got to have the house clean because somebody might stop by because I'm a stay-at-home mom and they have to look, the house has to look a certain way. Or, oh, I got to make sure I spend more time doing math with the kids because you know somebody in the grocery store is going to drill them in the store because we homeschool. Who cares? You have to have your full armor. That is an enemy attacking you. And sometimes you're just attacking yourself because you don't put on that full armor and you don't just take the time to pray. You have to have faith. He answers prayers. He gives you the word to stand on. Nobody's going to stand on it for you. I can stand on it for you. I can pray for you. I can intercede for you, and I do. People intercede and pray for me. My mother-in-law, she interceded and prayed for us. But let me tell you something. I had to put on the armor. There's only so much people can do for you. And you got to grow up and get dressed not be immature anymore take authority in your workplace take authority at where you send your kids to school take authority of what's happening in your kids lives ain't nothing wrong with being the house that everybody hangs out at because you have authority amen i'm telling you we had years of bill bills not being paid owen rent for a few months that's because we didn't pray. We weren't standing on the word. And we were believers. We were running a marriage ministry, people. We were. And we were praying for other people. And we were doing great works. But it could have been greater. It could have been greater. Just unnecessary attacks. Lord, you know, I don't know what time I got up here. Help me out. How many minutes I got? I love y'all. You know you love me. Okay, ask, ask for more and be specific in prayer. My best friend, one of my best friends from college. I got five minutes left. Seriously, hallelujah. Um, Velda Castor. Velda Castor, my best friend from college. Every time she got a new Mercedes, she had a list. White Mercedes, buttercream frosting. I got ten minutes. Don't play. Um, anyway. She would always, and I would be like, oh, that's so shallow. Why would she ask for a Mercedes, you know, with buttercream, you know, buttercream. She would want buttercream interior, brand new, or she would know the year. She would, she would be so specific. But that's what the word says. Ephesians 6, 18, with all prayer and petition, pray with specific requests at all times, on every occasion and in every season, and in the spirit, and with this in view, stay alert with all perseverance and petition, interceding in prayer for all God's people. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying everybody pray for a Mercedes, but if that's what the Lord puts on your heart, because you delight yourself in the Lord, he will give you the desires of your heart. He puts the desire in your heart first. And it comes from spending time in his word. That's where the desire comes from. 
Um, the, in Matthew 7, 7, it says, ask and keep on asking and it will be given to you. Seek and keep on seeking and you will find. Knock and keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. This is how my husband, he always does analogies. This is the picture that I got. You know when you have a dog and you have a dog toy and that dog just holds on to it and won't let go and just will not let go. Most dogs will just keep on going. That's how we have to be in prayer. Not let go. Not let go of, of what the word says about the healing for, for a family member or the salvation for a family. Don't let go. If God has promised you a husband, don't let go. If God has promised your children to be serving him with all their heart, all their soul, all their mind, all their strength. Don't let go. You fight. And guess what? The fight is fixed. Amen. It is fixed. Um, the other thing is, stop being double-minded. I was double-minded. The double-minded days are over. I used to be double-minded. I would pray that word, pray that scripture. But then someone would say, ooh, how you feeling? Uh, I'm healed in Jesus' name. Or I would start listing out all the things wrong. But it negates the prayer. It's being double-minded. What do you really believe? I'm telling you, and where it is the biggest challenge is with family. Because you're trying to get family to get it. To get what you're standing on. Guess what? And what happens is where we get in our head about it is we want to be a good witness. So we want to try to help them get it. Guess what? That's not our responsibility. That's the Lord. You just say it and keep on going. And sometimes you don't need to say it because you need to guard your garden. And uh, Elder John said, don't throw your pearls before the swine. I always say, why don't you explain that to your dad? Uh-uh, not throwing my pearls before the swine, no. And I was like, oh, what an awful thing to say. That's your father. You got to honor him. He says, I am honoring him. Because some people just aren't ready for certain things. And finally, I would have had a greater understanding of having an ambassador mindset. I would be always ready to share the gospel in season and out of season. But let me tell you something, I would. And um, over and over again, all them snowboard mamas over and over again sharing the gospel. What's going on? You know why? Because Ephesians 6 19 through 20 says, pray passionately in the spirit as you constantly intercede with every form of prayer at all times. All times. You have to intercede for people. Pray the blessings of God upon all believers and pray also that God's revelation would be released through me every time I preach the wonderful mystery of the hope-filled gospel. Yes, pray that I may preach the wonderful news of God's kingdom with bold freedom at every opportunity, even though I'm chained as a prisoner. I am his ambassador. So guess what? You go to share the gospel, but you're not covered. You're not wearing your full armor. You need your full armor. I didn't get that, honestly, till I got here. And I've been sharing the gospel for years, but let me tell you, there's a lot of people we've shared the gospel with, and I have not seen them say the prayer. Now, I know we all come to sow and to water. I, I get that, but no, it should be many more souls. So wearing the full armor is so valuable. And prayer is loving your neighbor. That's an act of love. And it's an act of love when they don't see you do it as well. Because sometimes we want the pat on the back. We want people to see us. But you can love somebody from afar. 
somebody that might have issues with you or you have issues from them, you can love in secret and you will see the fruit in Jesus' name. Thank you for this time. I'm humbled and honored. And next up, Danny Fuentes. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor, for this opportunity. Uh, Jesus, help me. Amen. Um, so when we got our topics, mine said the power of the blood of the word. And I was like, Pastor, what that mean? I don't know. And he just said to me, he said, LOL, emojis. I knew you would ask. Um, and so he referenced a scripture from Leviticus that says, for the life of the flesh is in the blood. And so where, what my spirit kind of latched onto is the word life. And so I'm going to talk to you guys today about the power of the life of the word. How many people know that the word of God is alive? Amen. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word that God speaks is alive and full of power, making it active, operative, energizing, and effective. So the word of God is alive and it brings life to us. As we read the word, the Holy Spirit uh, breathes life into it and it makes it come alive to us and that's why when we can read the same scripture we could read it probably every day he is still speaking through his word amen so uh another thing that the hebrew says is that um the word of god is powerful you have heard ephesians 6 referenced multiple times so i think the lord's trying to tell y'all something ephesians 6 talks about the full armor of god um, and I noticed that there's only one weapon listed. Now, arguably, you could use a helmet as a weapon, but you'd have to take it off. You could use your shield as a weapon. You could use the breastplate as a weapon. But really, what they were created for was to protect yourself. But there is one weapon listed, and that is called the spirit sword. That is the spoken word of God. And so you have been given this powerful weapon to use in this in, in this physical. It, it's just you confessing. It looks like you repeating something that was written that you have uh, etched into your heart. But in the spirit, what you are doing is you are picking up a sword and you are wielding it at an enemy who wants to uh, kill and destroy you. He is after you. Uh, like Elder Pam says, we are at war. The enemy does not stop. Uh, just because you think he's left you alone doesn't mean that he has stopped. He is still trying to kill you. I know my whole life I have seen it and I've seen it more. The more I've, I've walked into my call, the more I've noticed since I was young, the enemy has been trying to kill me. The enemy has been trying to come after you because of what the Lord is going to do in and through you in this house. Amen. So that is uh, the sword of the spirit is the spoken word of God. Um, the word of God on its own, if you don't put your mouth on it, it's a, a sword that's just lying against the wall. It's useless to you. It's powerful. It's full of power. But unless you wield that power, what is it going to do for you? Amen. So we have to speak the word of God. When you confess the word of God, you are actually going from a, a defensive stance to an offensive stance. Without the word of God, you're, you're protected if you put on the, not all the full armor of God minus the, the sword. If you put on the armor, you're protected. But with the sword, spoken word of God, you can actually go after the enemy. You can actually take off the head of your enemy. You can actually push back darkness. Amen. Another scripture that speaks to the vitality of the word of God is Isaiah 55, 11. I love this scripture. It says, so shall my word be. This is God speaking. That goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return to me void without producing any effect or useless, but it shall accomplish that which I please and purpose. And it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. Um, and the word that really uh, uh, jumped out at me is the word producing. Only living things can produce. And so that's why the word of God is alive. Because the word of God produces in your life. Um, a phone can't produce itself. The chair can't produce itself. A building can't produce itself. We human beings, we can produce ourselves. Uh, trees can produce themselves. Why? They are living things. The word of God is living. It is active. It is powerful. And it is still producing to this day. It was written thousands and thousands of years ago. But when we confess it, we have as much power um, that is available to us. Amen. John 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. So I challenge you guys to believe in the power of the word 
you must believe in the power of the one who sent his word because the word is God. So if you're doubting his word, I challenge you, you're not just doubting the word, you are doubting God himself because the word and God are like this. Before the beginning was the word and the word was God. Amen. So what would happen if we believed in the power of the blood or the life of the word? Uh, number one, we would bear fruit. In Matthew 13, it talks about the different conditions of the heart, which is likened to different and good soil, um, different kinds of soil, I should say. That's why we confess, you know, when the word is going forth, we declare that we are good soil because we want to receive the word with gladness and we want it to bear fruit. Uh, in verse 19, it says that the evil one comes immediately and snatches away what was sown, which is the word. And what he uses could be distractions. It could be offense. It could be busyness. Um, and in verse 23, it says, As for what was sown on good soil, say, I'm good soil. This is he who hears the word and grasps and comprehends it. So not only do you hear it, but you have an understanding of it. He indeed bears fruit and yields or reproduces, in one case, a hundred times as much as was sown, in another 60 times as much, and in another 30. Again, the word of God never returns to him void. It has to produce. The Lord is obligated to make his word perform. Amen. My dad used to read the word a lot to me and I kind of hated it growing up because I was like, why can't we just have a normal conversation? You know, why do you always have to quote, quote scripture to me? Um, and, but he wouldn't just quote scripture to me. He would open the Bible and he would give it to me and he said, you read it. And he would make me read it out loud. And he would say, what does that mean? What does that say? Who is talking here? Who is he talking to? What do you think that means? How does that apply in your life? He would make me uh, study the word in that moment. And so anybody in here, I just want to encourage you really quickly. If you have children and you're speaking the word to them, they may be rolling their eyes at you right now. But I promise you, myself as a witness, 20 to 30 years from now, even before then I declare, they're going to be quoting that same scripture that you told them time and time again. And you need to not grow faint. You need to not grow weary because I promise that word is taking fruit. It may take time, but it has to produce. It has to produce. That's what the word of God promises. And so I just, uh, I charge you, parents, keep speaking the word of God to your children. Amen. Um, number two, if I believed in the power of the word of God, then I would become transformed. So the word of God teaches us who we are. It gives us tools to respond to our circumstances. If I am not feeling well, there are things happening in my body uh, that are not part of the, the plan of wholeness that God has for me. Um, I don't just accept it. I declare Jesus by your stripes, I am healed. When I see a lack of finances, I declare you provide all my needs according to your riches and glory. When I feel less than, I declare I am the head and not the tail. I am above and not beneath. I am a lender and not a borrower. Amen. When I get to comparing myself to other women, like sometimes you're scrolling through, you know, Instagram, you start comparing yourself and I find myself lacking. I declare I am fearfully and wonderfully made. When I am faced with difficult situations, I declare I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. When tendrils of the spirit of depression tries to reach for me, I declare the joy of the Lord is my strength. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. When I feel weak, I declare, God, my heart and my flesh may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever and ever. When I feel anxious, I declare I am anxious for nothing, but in everything, I give thanks and the more I declare the word the more it produces and the more I become transformed that is when people start to see that fruit that's when people start to ask what is it about the joy that you have how can I have it that's how you live a questionable life is you let the word produce and you let it transform you amen lastly um, you become a witness if you believe in the power of the word you will become a witness why um, a couple of years ago, there was a hurricane that passed by the southern United States. And all over um, social media, they showed uh, what was called price gouging, which is, you know, there's a lack of certain resources. And the people who have the resources hike up their prices to make it harder for you to get that thing. So you would see bottles of water, a pack of 24 for like $42 
in a time of crisis. And, and we see that in the natural and we're like, how could you? How dare you? Why would you? People need water. Why would you withhold it from them? And yet we do that in the spirit all the time. People are thirsty for living water. They want living water, but we price gouge it. We're like, oh, sorry, my time is too important right now. I'm too busy. I got too much to do. That's what we do in the spirit all the time. But you know what? If the word, if you allow it to um, transform you, it actually causes you to want to see people transformed as well. Amen. So I encourage you people, let the power of the blood of the word transform your life. And in being transformed, turn around and be a light to people. Amen. Could we all stand and just respond to the word that has been uh, uh, shown forth in this place, has been spoken forth. Worship team, you can come up here with me as well. Father, we bless your name. We thank you, Lord God, for this time of activation. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your power. We declare that you are great and greatly to be praised, Lord God. You alone are worthy to be praised. You alone are worthy to be exalted. You alone are worthy to be worshipped, Lord God. So we lift up our hands right now in worship to you. We lift up our hands and we thank you, Lord, for seeing us through. Father, we declare that you did it before and you can do it again. We declare that great is the faithfulness of our God, for it is impossible for you to deny yourself, Lord God. So we thank you and we bless you. We declare that you are great and greatly to be praised. Come on and sing it with us. Thanks for joining us. Stay connected with us throughout the week by following us on social media at LoveQuest 